1: The Chicago Bears are 1-0, and I know a lot of people are out there. They consider the fact that this was because of the rain or whatever excuse you want to come up with. But really, when you look at this Chicago Bears victory, there are three things that stick out to me. Number one, the team played great defense, created turnovers when they needed to. We saw this. or We heard the messaging that the Bears were going to swarm to the football, try to create turnovers. We saw that. Number two, the offense, while not great, was opportunistic when it needed to be. The play, in particular, to Equinemia St. Brown was a thing of beauty, suckered the 49ers into a false sense of security, leading them to believe that they're going to run the ball. And number three, the Chicago Bears did not make the dumb penalties. It was very weird to see the Bears as the team that was not out there making silly mistakes. Taking silly, silly penalties and things like that. And it was a well deserved start to the season. And Sammy, let's start the show. Turn up your, Turn volume. Up your volume because you're about to listen to The Sick, Sick Podcast, Podcast. Sick. with Adam Ray. Trying to cut, cut back Justin Fields making magic happen there goes Fields touchdown the sickest Chicago Bears and fantasy football podcast sports entertainment like no other it's gonna be sick it's Tuesday night you know what that means it is time for take it to the rank and joining us right now our co-host for the evening Carmen Vitale of everything of everything in the world. Fox Sports, the Kay Adams show, uh, probably some of the new deals. she you're,
0: you're just salty because I got on Kay's show before you.
1: Yeah, I'm really, well, first of all, number one, I'm glad that Kay put us over. That was very nice of her. Uh, Kay, and I, Kay and I go way back, you know, back before GMFB and all that stuff when she was working for Roto World. She was one of the brightest voices, still remains one of the brightest voices in fantasy football. So I'm glad to see that she's doing well glad that you were able to be a part of that show. It was two of my favorites. I'm like this is this is what I love to see. Two of my favorites out there crushing it. And uh, but you got the Fox Sports gig. What is going on? Where are you going? Are you going to Lambo on Sunday sure
0: night? Am. Oh my sure gosh. am. Sure So I will be there for Bears Packers Sunday night at Lambo Field. I'm so unbelievably pumped about it because this is actually this is not this is not a game I've ever been to before. I've never seen the I was, was going to ask. Yeah. Never seen the Bears play the Packers live. Um, and it's been on like my bucket list to actually see it both at Soldier Field and Lambo, uh, which is something that I'm likely gonna get to do this year. So I am so super stoked. And yeah, I mean it's part of my job now. So
1: it's amazing. I and quite honestly, I know that uh, Steve Mariucci one time came up to me and he's like, Hey, have you ever been to Lambeau? And he go, and I go, No. And he goes, You really gotta go. And I'm like, No, actually, I actually don't think that I do. I don't. I mean, if I was getting paid to go, like you, like yeah, I would do it. But uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll we'll get into that matchup, but let's start a little bit about Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Do we have that? Let's look, let's break the internet. Let's watch. Let's watch our victory formation. The swan dive. Oh, Yay. was there anything better than this? No, that was awesome.
0: That was I, so cool. I mean, like. I wrote about it for Fox sports. Like that was the bears making the best out of their circumstances, which is something that I feel like has been kind of a trend for them throughout like this whole off season, you know, you have, you don't have the picks you you, you trade down, you get more like they've just, they've been doing this all off season. And then just to have it culminate in something as fun as that was just like treating the field, like a slip and slide.
1: It it was amazing. You know, it's funny because They were talking about – there's an iconic image of the 49ers, which I believe was from the 2019 season when they went to the Super Bowl. They played in a game similar to this against Washington, and there were photos of the 49ers doing that kind of slip-and-slide action in that game. I don't remember any 49er fans being like, this game should be canceled. It's not fair that we have to play this game. Oh, when it goes in your favor, it's football, football weather. It's so much fun oh, but when it was going against the 49ers, apparently, man, oh, they should have called the game. Like, how, how bad was it? Where were you? Where were you? And how bad was the weather, really? I was actually out in your neck of the woods. I was in L.A. Um,
0: I couldn't get credentialed in time. I know, I know, I'm sorry. Um, it was a last minute trip and got to meet uh, my, my editors and my bosses in person, which was really cool for Fox Sports. But that being said, um, I was in sunny L.A. at a bar so I could watch all of the games at once because I was also keeping tabs in the Lions-Eagles at the time of the Bears 49ers and then had to watch the Vikings-Packers. Um, but I was looking at that like – at first I laughed about the field conditions. I was like, oh, my God, like, bear weather. Like, this is just so typical, like, Soldier Field, you know, and the, and the Bermuda grass that went down two days ago was just sloshing all over the place. But right. then when Javon Kinlaw went down for the 49ers, I was like, I'm not laughing anymore. Like, this is – I was holding my breath the entire game just because I was like, I wanted to make sure no one got hurt.
1: And right. also
0: I was hoping that no play would come down to like a measurement because God forbid it's, it's in the end zone too. Like those lines were just all over the place. Like You would have never been able to figure out if something was a touchdown, if it was like six inches or like it, closer, like that was just, I was, I was like, God, please don't let something come down to that and, and let the bears, you know, get screwed over for something as stupid as squiggly lines on a field.
1: Oh my god. Like it is it is always a a delicate balance because we've seen weather games like that before the 49ers Washington a couple of years ago 49ers at home against Indianapolis uh, not too not too long ago we've seen snow games the bears played in a snow game last year again I don't remember anybody making excuses but then the 49ers put it I I I honestly thought the 49ers had it in their head immediately when they walked out there and that was one of the things that I thought it was just going to work into the Bears' favor, and it certainly did. And at the end of the game, there were a couple of game balls being passed out. Let's take a look at that, if we can, Sammy. One to the head coach, 1st Great GM, yes, sir. Three, one, two, three. Oh, quite a shock because I thought the coach and GM hated Justin Fields. Isn't that what the internet told us this year?
0: Yeah, that uh, they gave him no help and there was nothing – they didn't do anything for him and they were dooming him uh, from the start. No, I mean, I really like that he included Ryan Poles in that, though, because uh, outside of the offense, if you look at the defense, I mean, two of the most impressive performances on the defense were from rookies. You got Dominique Robinson who's coming in. He got the first sack of the Bears season. And then Jaquan Brisker doing Jaquan Brisker things that we now know that he can do. Uh, even Car- Kyler Gordon, who like took he took he took his lumps, but I think he also held up well in the slot, especially given all the circumstances of the field. That was the other thing, too, about the field, too. Where, like people were saying, oh, well, the 49ers had to play in that. That's not fair. I'm like, the Bears had to play in it too. And oh, yeah, there's yeah. no getting used to playing in something like that. But I mean, Ryan Poles has made so many. I just feel like they they're on the same page, him and Eberflus. And he made so many good decisions in the draft and you're seeing these rookies pay dividends immediately, which is all you can ask for out of a GM.
1: Yeah. I think Dom Robinson is probably the most surprising, not surprising, but it just comes, it it comes so quickly because he was a wide receiver that's been converted to the defense. So if you figured that there was anybody who was going to be a little bit of a project, it would be him, but he got his opportunity. went out there was one of the highest rated rookies, according to pro Mm -hmm. football focus. And just was a general news nu- nuisance out there. So I think that that's something to look forward to. Jaquan Brisker though was really good. I know that I gave him credit for a, you know, it was actually Jalen Johnson who punched the ball out. Of the, the fumble, out, yeah. But Brisker was Jaquan, there. And he just assumed. He was he re- yeah, he took it. He, he recovered it. So
0: he recovered. Um, yeah, exactly. But I also feel like what you, so Eddie Jackson had that interception though. And we, they've talked all preseason, all training camp about how Eddie Jackson now gets to play a little bit freer. He's, you know, posted up in that free safety role. And what Jaquan Brisker brings allows him to play his game. And that also paid dividends. So not only do you have Jaquan Brisker having, you know, an actual impact, a direct impact on the game, I think he was also like second on the team in tackles or something like that. Um for and for a box safety who's coming down in the box, you know, you don't want to see tackles from your corners. I get that. No. But like from safety that who's down in the box and who's actually like making plays, I think he had a tackle for loss too um that's awesome and then it's also opening up Eddie Jackson to be able to play exactly how he's supposed to play and oh look at that he gets an interception so I just like it was again just all of the dividends and like even Braxton Jones who again like it was it was a tall task going up against Nick Bosa and that 49ers defensive line and again definitely has some plays that he'd like back I get it but for as influx as that offensive line is clearly clearly still is Uh, I think Braxton Jones held up well as well at that left tackle spot.
1: Yeah. And defensively too, I know that uh, there was a first down play with Trey Lance or Trey Lance got a first down on a run and Jaquan Brisker missed him. And I really honestly believe, and this is probably me projecting that Brisker was waiting for him to slide because he was in the area. And normally when you see a quarterback get close to you, he's going to go down and he's going to slide. and He's going to do a thing. And I think that Trey Lance kind of showed himself like I'm not sliding. So the Bears really started haranguing him, like they really started punishing him every time he went to the every time he went to the ground. And I just think it was the the pressure that the Bears continue to put on teams. And I think that this is going to be significant over the course of the season. Is that the Bears are never going to be taking plays off? There was another one too where you know it looked like it looked like the Forty Nine er was trying to run out of bounds, and the Bears were like, no, 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 we're going to get you. I think it was Adams who ended up smoking the guy. And it's like, nope, we're not, let, we're not allowing that. As long as you're on the field and it's legal, uh, we're going to go after you. So I thought that that was pretty impressive. The offensive line was impressive. What did you think of Tevin Jenkins? I know that there was a rotational type of situation going on, so it might have been startling to see Lucas Patrick out there at guard with a club on his hand. But I thought that Tevin Jenkins played really well. I know that a lot of people will point to the time that he pancaked or at least knocked Bosa on his butt. Uh, I thought he played pretty well at the, at the at the guard position. Yeah,
0: I thought he did too, which is why I was kind of confused as to the rotation. Again, I talked about it. Like, I guess if you wanted to get Lucas Patrick some game reps, but I mean, Lucas Patrick is a veteran and I don't love him at the guard spot. I want Tevin Jenkins to k- stay there and be, you know, keep being developed there. Uh, and it was, I mean, what was so impressive about that pancake of Nick Bosa was that he took care of his work and then went to look and find more work so like that's exactly what you want out of a guy like that and that that's showing me that he can react to things quickly which is what you need to do in those inside spots while also then all right i took care of my job that's done now i'm gonna go look and see how the guy next to me is doing uh and maybe i can help him out and he did so that was the most impressive part for me i just didn't like the rotation because i just for a unit that thrives on continuity i just i hate i hate 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 a rotation just let these guys stay in there and play it out unless, you know, one, obviously there's injuries and all right. that kind of stuff, but like, yeah, I don't love going into the game and doing that. I don't think Lucas Patrick, it's going to serve him any Like it's going to do anything for him playing at that guard spot. He needs to get reps with Justin Fields if he's going to be the center. Uh, so he can develop that relationship with him. Uh, but you obviously can't do that with, with an injured hand. So I would, I'm just like, you know, just rest him. Why, why do this? Just let Tevin Jenkins do te- like be Tevin Jenkins. Yeah figure it out um but yeah i mean i think the line held up a lot better than a lot of people expected especially against the the 49ers d line uh on the other side of the trenches too if you want to go back to defense like that defensive line the interior Armand watts i mean watching him geez he looks great him and john and, and justin jones like oh i like i like that tandem on the interior a lot a lot more than i expected to honestly
1: no they played really well they were getting some pressure up front of course the 49ers have some issues of their own on the offensive line, but really yeah. just going out there and taking advantage of the situation. And, and, you know, like you can only do, like, you can't feel sorry for him. You got to go out there and you got to play the game. And I thought they did a great job all the way around. And, you know, I will say this too. I, I know that a lot of people were probably a little bit apprehensive or a little maybe nauseous is the way it's probably a better word to put it, but you know, the, the, the bears weren't moving a lot. During the first half, and that's fine. But I really think it was by design. I think that as long as the defense was playing well, it wasn't in any danger of getting out of hand. They were content to be like, "All right, we'll just take our chances." And I thought that the play with Equanime St. Brown was very like. I don't think that it's getting enough play. And it's not getting enough attention. People don't follow this closely enough. But you know, Gutsy and them really set them up. You know, Darnell Mooney was not on the was not on the field for that touchdown, and I think that it gives off. You know, I think Kari Blazin' game was in the in there as well, and so I gave off third and short. The Bears are going to be running the football. You got your best blocking wide receivers in there, and then they set them up. and Equanimee Saint Brown was buck naked running down the field. Justin Fields hit him, and it was amazing. I, I thought that all. I thought that both touchdown passes were great. How did you feel about it? Yeah, no, that play in particular, what I really
0: loved is that you had the two uh, two headed backfield. You had the two running backs in the backfield, which is drawing these defenders down and it's making them more honest. And that was what allowed EQ to kind of get behind the defense. There's not as many guys on the back level because um, not only do you have to account for the two backs in the backfield, you have to account for Justin Fields being able to run it. So that's really like, that's where I feel like going to be the Bears bread and butter is being able to draw these defenders down into the box. And then, you know, if your protection can hold up, get the ball to these guys that are now streaking past defenders, which is what happened with EQ. I really liked that. And, you know, I really think that these backs are going to be very crucial, especially because like the the Bears were running a lot of kind of big personnel sets to help out that offensive line. You had multiple tight ends on the field a lot of the time. And that takes away kind of some of your receiving options. When it comes to that, I think that that's kind of where the bears stuttered a little bit in the beginning is because they were trying to help out their offensive line while they were rotating it. And so you don't have as many options to throw to. Um, and then they kind of hit their stride a little bit like in the, in the second half. I loved the in-game adjustments that they had too. But I think that because of that, and if you're going to continue to do that, your backs are going to be really, really important. Uh, because you can kind of, especially because they're receiving backs as well, you, they can be a threat in the receiving game, at least in the short and intermediate area of the field. So I, I, they're going to lean a lot on these guys. and But they have two really good ones. I mean, I was really encouraged by how much they split time between David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert um, and how well Khalil Herbert handled that load.
1: Yeah, the fantasy people are not, and to be honest, I don't care because it was. It turned <laughs> out to be pretty effective. They, You know what? They also – I was listening to Matthew Berry, and he was like – he was trying to sell it like David Montgomery was not a good football player, and I'm like, he willed that team to a first down on a couple of dump-offs and really showed how effective he can be in the passing game. Both these guys are studs. It's, it's going to be great, and it's going to be a great situation for everybody all the way around, so I'm not really worried – about them, anything like that. I thought, too, the Dante Pettis play, you know, Twitter being what it is, trolls being who they are. Like, oh, what a wounded duck to Dante. Well, when a guy is that wide open, you're not, you're not throwing a dart. You got to make sure you throw a very catchable football and you allow him to go out there and do his thing. Now, we didn't want him to get tackled or anything like that. Well, maybe you did if David Montgomery was on your fantasy team, but you're like, we want him to get in there. But we also saw what it means when you have a guy who can block uh, at at the wide receiver position, like that was really huge as well. I thought, so I, I don't know what, what is like when they look at it in film, do they be like, Oh, that's a Docker. They're just like, no, he needs to throw the ball so he can catch it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that that has to be the case. And like, you're also looking again at just the the time to throw the protection, all that kind of stuff that that's going into that. Um, But I, I like, I was encouraged by Dante Pettis too. That was the thing. Like, you weren't getting the production out of the usual, like, cast of characters, like or at yeah. least the expected cast of characters, right? Like, Darnell Mooney was fine, and he was he was doing his job as far as, like, you know, drawing defenders away and making sure that, like, you know, he could leave some other guys one-on-one. Um, but, like, and Cole Komet didn't really do much. I still think Cole Komet's going to have a big year, but he didn't really do yeah. much this game either. But you were getting contributions from guys down the depth chart, and I think that that was probably the most encouraging thing for me, was that, all right – the Bears have more options than we think they do. And Justin Fields is, is comfortable with these guys. And I like, I liked that a lot.
1: I loved it. And it also shattered a bunch of narratives. The whole like they didn't, they don't have any receivers. And you're like, I don't know. Why don't you watch Green Bay and tell me who has receivers and who doesn't? By the way, Carmen, yeah, you mentioned earlier that you're in California. You didn't, nary I didn't hear a call. We have a bears bar set up. I know it's far like people like like Southern California is really spread out. So it's kind of like being in the South side and like, well, I was up in Wheeling, like it's not always easy and it's trafficking. So I always get it. But you also probably noticed when you were in California as well, that like we have some air quality issues, you know, we have fires raging, mm-hmm. we have pollution, we have cars, we have a lot of, we have a lot of electric cars here, but listen, there's a lot of auto pollution. There's, there's dust going on because it's been really windy and everything like that. So not only that, but schools have started and I sit there and I drop my daughter off at school and I, I hear the kids coughing, I hear them sneezing and wheezing. You know, that is why I went out and got an acquired an air purifier for the family. And the one I got is from Air Pura and oh, this thing is a dream. It's a silent, it is silent, it is now a member of the family. It looks like R2D2. It sits right there. We roll it into the kids bedroom before they go to bed. Oh, they can't sleep without it. But you can tell that the air is so fresh and clean. And during the day, bring it downstairs, put it in the kitchen. So, of course, if you, if you want to protect your family, because I'll tell you what, COVID cases are going to start rising again. General illness and other viruses are going to start rising again. So if you want to protect you and your family, make sure you get an air purifier. And I would recommend one from Air Pura. Now, I think we should take some, some questions. I don't know if people are asking questions. I don't know if everybody's just calm, if anybody cares. If anybody is out there wanting to get loose, let's go. Oh, there we go. Paul, do you see Justin Fields spreading out the ball more? Or was that because of the circumstances? I initially thought he was going to force feed Mooney and Kemet. You know what? I I don't think that they need to force feed it at all. I don't know what they're going to do. I think they're going to spread the, the football. What do you think, Carmen?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that there was some circumstantial – situations that were happening there where like yeah it's it's downpouring you're not going to have the greatest passing attack uh in conditions like that and you're going to need to be a little bit more careful but what we were just saying before I think the Bears have a lot more options than we realize or at least they think they have a lot more options than we realize and they're going to utilize all these different guys um in order to have Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney have good seasons you are going to not be like you can't focus on them. You can't stare these guys down. That's how mistakes are going to happen. So you need to kind of sell these other options. And I think that's what they're going to do. I don't think that they're going to need to force, like you said, they're going to need to force feed these guys though, because they have, I'll take
1: the the bears receiver core over the green or green base receiver core at this point. Oh, Darnell Mooney wouldn't have dropped the ball that Christian Watson dropped. No stretch of the imagination. And you know what? And it is cool too, because now teams have to think about that. Like, I think the 49ers went into that contest thinking, you know what, let's just stop Darnell Mooney. Let's -hmm. surround him as much as possible. And, you know, Justin made a mistake. He tried to force a ball over the middle to Darnell Mooney, trying to get his guy involved. And you know what? He didn't do that again. And that is one of the things that I took away. Like, okay, like, you you make a play. And there were some, you know, some other throws that weren't great. But he's still a young quarterback who's developing. We still see veteran quarterbacks make poor decisions at times. I go back to 2018. And that Bears, that Bears uh, uh, Packers game to kick off the season, the Khalil Mack game, like Aaron Rodgers really wanted to give that ball, that game away. He threw one right into the numbers to Kyle Fuller. It did not work. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and beat up Justin Fields over that. I thought that, you know, a couple of those throws, maybe you don't make those. But at the time, at, at the at the end of the game, when it was time to make, make the plays, Justin Fields Made the plays, and by the way, are you worried about Cairo Santo? Because I'm—I'll tell you what—like twenty-one to ten just sounds more emphatic than nineteen to ten. But are we worried? I—I I kind of brush it off as the field. But are you worried about our kicker? No, uh, we had him in in Tampa when I was there, and
0: Cairo's great. Um, he obviously, comes from a you know soccer background, but he no—I mean that's absolutely like if you watched those extra points, like it's not just that there's moisture coming from the sky. It's like you watch his foot slide as he's trying to kick the ball. Like yeah, those conditions, there's just, there's no, there's no way. Um, I, and also like field goals or sorry, field uh, extra points aren't like a given or a gimme anymore. And the, the league yeah. made a concerted effort by moving the line back um, to make sure that they weren't. And if you look around the league, I mean, there were, Quite a few missed extra points across the league, yeah. and they did not have weather to blame. So no, I'm not worried about Cairo Santos. Um, he's going to be great, and he he was solid for them all year last year. And I think like he run he there was like no competition this year because they have they have all the faith in the world in him. So
1: I'm not worried. We we have our kicker, and by the way, I honestly believe that uh, not trying the 47-yard field goal ended up being in our benefit. Like yeah, we probably shouldn't have been trying that anyways, and thankfully. You know, we got the penalty, and so, okay, I'll punt it there. Yep. Play the, you know, play the field possession. I'm cool with that. Although, that does show that Iberflus has confidence in his defense that he had they missed that field goal,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: he was still confident that they were going to stop them. So, that's fine, too. How about another question, Sammy? Oh! Ah, Don oh no. wanted to play, pay two bucks. It's week one. Calm down. Uh, by the way, how did the Lions do? Remind me. I don't remember their game. Jamal Williams stealing a couple of touchdowns from DeAndre Swift. Like I said, I think I said Jamal Adams on uh, on NFL Fantasy Live, but it doesn't matter. I love that the Lions fans are now dismissive. They want to use their moral victory as justification of why we should take them seriously. But the Bears actually winning a game against a Super Bowl contender. Like, "Ah, that's week one. But your moral victory was amazing. Did you see the Lions play at all?
0: Yeah, I did. Uh, I mean, I guess I we'd at, see them
1: all eventually. Yeah, yeah.
0: no, I, I was at a bar uh, so I could watch all the games at once. And I so I was, I was parked in front of the Bears-Niners game, but then I had the, the Lions-Eagles game was off to the side. And honestly, it was – Listen, I don't think the Lions are going to be the Lions this year. I'm going to say some nice things about the Lions right now. Right. Uh, I think the Eagles, like, even before everything happened with Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, I picked the Eagles to win the NFC East. So I think they're a great team. Absolutely. And the fact that the Lions just would not go away that entire game. Like, there were multiple times where they were down, like, two scores. And they came back, and then all, to, to lose that game uh, by three points, especially, like, for as, as high scoring as it was, when you have Jared Goff at quarterback, like, that they did exactly what they needed to do and they've kind of figured out like what their limitations are and how to work around them i feel like in this second year under dan campbell so like i i think that they're going to be a good team i i just i don't i'm not predicting like playoffs or anything for them but i think they're going to take that step forward that people are expecting them to and there was a lot of things to be encouraged about in that game
1: yeah the limitations being jared goff and dan campbell no i do have them winning the the game against the commanders this week i think yeah. that that i can't wait to see carson wentz and jared goff Throwing haymakers at each other. Oh, what a battle that'll be. And hopefully the Lions come away with another moral victory. Or if you beat the Commanders, which I'm expecting, then you can come crow like, week two victories mean the most. Uh, But thank you anyways. Hey, thanks for paying to get that out there. Like, I don't care. Like, that's (laughs) cute. What about uh, about another question, Sammy? It can even be insulting. I'm sorry, Adam. The O-line didn't do enough for me in the running game. They didn't block. The safety that had a zillion tackles and a pick. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts, Carmen? Yeah. I mean, again, like you, I think you can
0: go back to field conditions there as well, but like, I don't love that they had a rotation. I'm going to, I'll say that right now. Like the, I was encouraged by them and how they stood up to, again, a very good 49ers defensive line in the conditions that they were in while they were still being rotated in and out, like at that guard spot be- between Lucas Patrick and Tevin Jenkins, like, not being able to play con- with the guy that continuity I like I don't love I really don't love it I yeah. I don't like that I don't like that decision at all and I think that that contributed to Justin Fields even like you could tell that there were times he really didn't trust his protection at all yeah and he wasn't getting through his reads and he was forcing things um and like he kind of had to take off a couple of times where I wasn't pleased with that either especially given the field conditions like i'm not crowning like the the offensive line i'm still concerned about it uh it just it fared it fared better than i thought it would though and i think that there are good things to be taken from that um especially again like you've got cody white here and you've got braxton jones on that left side braxton jones took his lumps but he's going to benefit from playing next to cody white here once you get lucas patrick i back at center like just put this man back at center when his hand is healed please uh, and then you've got Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum on the outside. You got you can rotate in either Riley Reef, although I think that Riley Reef should be the backup left tackle, but I've gone into that multiple times. Um, you have depth there, and I just I, I just need them to figure it out though.
1: We have depth for a change. Yeah. Once Lucas Patrick becomes a starter and Mustafer goes to a backup role, Riley Reef goes to a backup role. You're like, oh, this is a pretty nice situation to be in. Yeah. Obviously, they're not. They're not the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line. They're not one of the elite they're offensive not the lines. Lions.
0: They're not the the Lions, line. you
1: know what? That, the Lions have a great offensive line. They do. They really do. And that is going to be one of the reasons why they're so competitive this season right. is because their offensive line is so great. And really, it would behoove them. Actually, it doesn't really matter because I expect the Lions, no matter what they do this season, they're jumping up. They're gonna They're going to trade up with one of the teams that has one of those top spots to try to get a quarterback. They just have to. Cause it's the final piece that they really need. Like they're right. so close. They, they legitimately yeah. are pretty close. Like that's, they got a, they got a great offensive line and that means so much in this league. So that will be a problem for us in a couple of seasons, probably starting next year. Mm-hmm. But I think with the bears offensive line, again, like it's a work in progress. Again, they're going to be able to, to address that in their draft preparation next year. We're going to have a first round pick. We're probably going to use it on an offensive lineman and it's going to be sweet. And somebody's going to come in, he's going to start and he's going to create competition and it's going to be fun. I thought that given the limitations and going up against a good team, they did all right. And I, I agree with you. I thought that Justin bailed a little too often. Uh, There were times that, you know, he did, as you said, he didn't trust the pocket. There were times the pocket was there and David Montgomery was picking up a blitzer or somebody like that. And he's just, you know, but that's okay. That just comes with experience. You know, if you watched on Monday night, you know, they, the Denver Broncos are running a very similar system. They're running the Shanahan coaching tree offense. So they're asking Russell Wilson to do, the, to do the same things that Justin Fields is doing. And that is trust your pocket, make quick throws. Justin and Russell probably benefit a little bit more of getting outside of the pocket. Like that's when they're their most dangerous. But they still want them to make those in rhythm throws and get the ball out of their hands and trust their reads and know where they're going. And again, this is just going to take playing football to really nail it. And last night, or on Monday night, last night, depending on when you're listening to this, Russell Wilson did not look great. And he threw the ball. He dumped off the ball way more than he ever has his entire life. Javante Williams had 11 catches. So I just want you to remember, like, that's that's the Bears. Like, if, if Russell Wilson is, you know, a work in progress at this point, Justin Fields is allowed to as well. So, the offensive line, not the greatest. Point taken. Let's give it a little bit of time to play out. And nobody is crowning this offensive line as the the '90s Cowboys or anything like that. But it is a good point. It is a good point. Thank you for thank you for bringing that up. All right, let's have another question, Sam. Sammy, uh, what about Marts, Eddie? Thank you for asking. Let me. You know what, Carmen? I'm going to take the lead on this one. Who the Please, f- Who the f is asking Mike Marts anything? Why do we care about his opinion? On anything Bears related what did I like, what did I miss? Oh, <laughs> I, didn't, my, I, didn't hear, I didn't hear this. Mike March a couple of years like years, uh recently before the season started was like, This is the worst team I've seen since the Owen 16 Lions. Oh, that's right. So you're like, okay, well, first of all, LOL, they've won a game, so they're not we're not going winless. You know, anytime I'm watching a baseball game, and depending on who your favorite team is, I'm an Angels fan. Uh, when the Angels get the first hit, I always go, Well, not getting no hit today. Score run, not getting shut out today. Similarly, not going 0-17. It could whatever happens, we're not going 0-17. So here's my thing. Mike March says that. And then he was asked again, and he's like, God, oh, Justin Fields didn't do anything. I'm like, except, you know, lead the team to three late touchdowns to rally from a 10-point deficit. But whatever. You, you do you. Like Mike Martz, like we have we not determined that this guy was just figured out. Like he was figured out. Got Dan, got, got Dick Vermeil fired, because the Rams wanted to keep him over Dick Vermeil, which was probably not a great idea. You let that offensive coordinator go. Brought in, couldn't couldn't work with with Greg Olson. Nearly got Cutler killed, and of course he nearly got Kurt Warner killed as well. Mark Bolger's career never really got to develop because his concepts were just so risky for the quarterback. Hey, sit here and nearly get decapitated, and then the then throw the football. So now he's out. And why are people asking him? Like, why are we like, I don't know. Like if I was sitting there and I needed, and I saw Cade McNown, I wouldn't ask him where to park my car. Like, it's just something I I wouldn't do. And I know that's probably a reference that predates you. There's an old bears fan. Your father would have loved it. Listen, it's a dated reference. I understand, but I, it's still one of my favorites. So I'm going to say it again. I just, we need to stop asking Mike March. We need to stop paying attention to him. Like we're our own worst enemies, you know. I, and we can't help ourselves. We're we're going after Dan Orlovsky. We're doing whatever. I make a Pulp Fiction reference. By the way, I got like a thousand likes in a reply to Dan Orlovsky, where I'm like, "Listen, what you said about Justin Fields is in the past. Just that, you know what? But you have lost your Justin Fields privileges." Um, so again, we just don't need to worry about. Uh, we don't need to worry about Mike Martz.
0: No, you know, uh, clearly I I didn't.
1: That's great. Like, I love that you're in this bubble where you don't have to read about Mike Martz. Like, I don't want to hear about him. Like I'm going to go mute the word Martz. So I never have to see it again. Listen, bears fans, stop doing this to ourselves. Let's leave Dan Orlovsky alone. And, uh, the, the, the Dominique Foxworthy, that guy who is calling Chicago, the missus whatever he was saying, like these guys, like they know who to come after. You know, I wasn't allowed to put this in the article that I put at NFL.com last week, but because this was almost two pointed because it was two NFL.com writers. But it's like, look, if you like who are, con- who are some of the worst teams in the NFL, the Jets, like their fans, like they're already dead inside, they don't, they don't get riled up. The Seahawks fans sort of don't care because the Mariners are playing so well, and the Falcons fans care more about the SEC. But you go out there, you put out a headline and you say something bad about the bears. Like I'm going to be teaching my, my uh, broadcasting course for Chapman university tomorrow, where incidentally Matt Eberflus' daughter graduated from. And you know what? We're going to be talking about no lazy stories and stuff like that. This is going to be one of the topics that we go over. Like this is just lazy. This is just lazy journalism that you're just driving for clicks. And this will be a perfect example of that. Mike Martz is lazy. Who cares what he thinks at least, Dan Orlovsky is pretty bright. He's he said some things that I would question, but he's a bright guy and he's still relevant. But in any ways, that's enough time. But thank you, Eddie, for, for donating to the cause and asking that question. What do we got, Sammy? Uh, best rookie performance uh for the best. Yeah, if we had to pick one, there's a lot of good ones. I know it
0: has it. to be it has to be Dominic Robinson because he yeah. just outplayed expectations so heavily. like this is a guy who like I think the Bears knew very quickly what they had in him because early on in training camp I was at when I was at Halis, Matty Rufleux called him intriguing and mm. even like uh their special teams coordinator was like, yeah, he can probably do some things for us on special teams too, but I think like he's like, yeah, but the defensive coaches also find him to be very interesting. and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. so they knew. They knew exactly what they had in this guy. Um, And I think just, like, the awareness that it comes from switching positions from the offense to the defense. I mean, he was – I think he had a pass breakup too. Like, he knows, like, he can get his hand on a ball. Um, And then to be that effective in the pass rush, get the Bears' first sack of the season, nobody – like. I feel like maybe Bears fans are half and half on even knowing who Dominique Robinson is. Right. And then, like, nationally, absolutely zero people know who, who Dom Robinson is. And I think that he's going to be a pretty good part of this outside uh, rotation for the for the Bears and for the Bears' defensive line. Because you also have, like, Robert Quinn and you have Tev- uh, Travis Gibson kind of, like, drawing attention away and drawing attention to their sides um, or you know, whatever side they're on. And then if you, you throw in Dominic Robinson and clear the
1: 49ers and know who he was either. So oh, they were they were not prepared for that. And it's so refreshing just to be like, you know, you hear stories like this all the time where there's somebody like, oh, this guy played quarterback, and you know, you see the Patriots do this a lot. You know, where you'd have guys like Julian Edelman, who is like a, a college quarterback mm-hmm. who becomes one of the most clutch receivers in NFL history. It's like it'd be nice that to, to, to to be rooting for an organization that did that once in a while. I mean, I guess you could say, you know, but, it, you know, you go back to what Brian Erlacher was able to do at New Mexico, and he played every position. You know, he played tight end, safety, eventually linebacker. He was the punter at one point. Like, it's crazy. So, like, it is it, – we're, we're starting – it's kind of like with Quantum Leap being – uh, brought out of the mothballs, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's actually a continuation. They're not rebooting it. They're just continuing the story. They're still going to be looking oh, for Sam Beckett. Okay. I'm sorry, that's a spoiler <laughs> alert. Like I think Sam Beckett is still going to be involved because we don't know where he is. Like, Sam never came home. He was always jumping. But the thing is, is the Bears are kind of like that. Where it's like, oh, now we're starting to relive the past. And not that I'm putting Dom Robinson into the category of Brian Urlacher, but, you know, Brisker being Mike Brown, you know, Eberflus being a lot like Lovey Smith, you're like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going back to that era, which was a lot of fun. We have a quarterback that we think is very good. So I love every part of it. And I think that Dom was, you know what? I'm going to say Jaquan Brisker though. I'm still going to go back to that. I, I'm not mad at that. I know that there were some plays that, you know, there was a busted coverage. I don't know whose fault it was. I did not go back and watch that specific play, but the, the 49ers missed one, but it's like, you, it's Trey Lance, like, whatever. And, like, he's going to miss throws like that. Like, get used to it. I I thought that Brisker – I'm just so Brisker happy that I'm just, like, I was <laughs> – I'm giving him credit for what Jalen Johnson's doing, even though he recovered the fumble. But it's cool. I just think he's everywhere. He's just a, a smart guy. I, I don't know if I told you this story, if I mentioned it on the Thursday show, but, like, Michael Robinson, uh, a Super Bowl-winning fullback for the Seattle Seahawks, played at Penn State, and he said that the coaches told him, like, I don't know what it is about Jaquan Brisker, but that is probably the the most instinctual football player that we have ever seen. So they're very excited about him and we're excited to have him. All right, Sammy. I'm excited for another question. What do we got going on? Uh, Are you concerned whether Montgomery fits into this offensive scheme? All right, Keith. Thanks for the question. Carmen, are you concerned? No. Not at all. I think that a lot of teams are
0: moving to this kind of like running back by committee approach, which I get is not great for fantasy. Um, But I think it's great for teams. And I think it helps make them, you know, more complete offenses and you keep the defense guessing. And again, like I said, I mean, even if David Montgomery isn't directly involved as far as getting the handoff, um, you know, you have him staying in for pass protection. You have him drawing defenders down to have to account for him because this is a guy that had what? How many yards last year? Like over a thousand yards last year? Oh yeah. Um. So like you're, the defenses still have to account for him, whether or not he's directly involved in the play, and that much in the way that receivers, you know, Darnell Mooney is pulling guys away in the at that back level. So I'm not worried. And it it was just one game, and it was a really weird game. Um. I think that he is obviously going to be a huge part of this, and I think that they're going to have to lean on him a lot. Uh, as far as getting that run game established, making sure that you, you know defenses are kept honest when they're playing the Bears, and they have to account for that because they have to again, like I said it before, they have to. Not only do they have to count for David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, they also have to count for Dustin Fields. So there's just there's a lot of you know running, rushing. Um, only there's only so many rushing touches per per game, but I think we saw a pretty balanced uh, attack, especially given the circumstances of the field and the weather. Um, but there's only so many touches to go around. And I think that that's probably just going to be kind of a rotation. And like some games, David Montgomery is going to be going to pop off some games. Khalil Herbert's going to pop off. It's just
1: all part of it. Yeah. He's, he's still an an exceptional running back in my estimation. And I think that, you know, if you, if you want to take a a cue from some of the other teams in the league, let's take a look at what's happening in Denver. Let's take a look at what's happening with the green Bay Packers. All, All this is, you know, this is where the schemes come from. It's a Shanahan thing, but Nathaniel Hackett, of course, was in Green Bay last year, as was Luke Getze. You look at what the Packers did against the Minnesota Vikings, which wasn't much, but A.J. Dillon it was, was a. J. running Dillon. the ball like very effectively. They need to get Aaron Jones a little bit more involved. We expect Aaron Jones to bounce back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, similarly, I would expect David Montgomery to do the same thing, especially with his ability to catch the football. You look at what Denver did last night. Again, going back to Javante Williams having eleven receptions, Melvin Gordon was still a factor in that game, and I think that he outrushed Javante Williams. I think Javante Williams ended up out touching him based on the the receptions. But this is the way. This is the system. So, Keith, when you're looking at it, I know. Again, we're we're so used to a. Walter Payton, Neil Anderson, Matt Forte, that type of running back. Who's going to dominate everything. That's the new world order. You know, this is the way that the NFL works. Now these guys split carries and that's what we're going to expect. We're going to expect it to be more closer, probably closer to 50, 50 than a lot of us thought coming in to the season. All right, Sammy, how about another question? Oh, how about are you going to roast Don Burr when we whip Detroit twice a year? You know, we're going to – there's some things that we're, we're saving in our personal arsenal because, you know, the the Lions fans, again, really proud of their their moral victory in week one. They, they don't think that it's week one. Just like they try to – just like, you know what, this is the thing about Detroit that you need to understand. First of all, your Detroit-style pizza, which is tasty, it still doesn't compare to Chicago deep dish and certainly doesn't compare – the tavern-style Chicago pizza, which is my favorite version. Thank you. So, Thank you your, is, your pizza's your pizza is not garbage, but it's a distant third. Coney Island hot dog, while again delicious, not anywhere near the ballpark of Portillo's. Like it's fine, yeah. like it's okay, but but like Detroit, it's just second rate. And you also tore down a great ballpark. You tore down Tiger Stadium for no reason. And it looks and – it's, and it's awful. Comerica, that, that's not a great place. You had a beautiful gem of a building. It would be like tearing down Wrigley, although we did tear down Comiskey. So, I, but you know, it's the White Sox. No one cares about the White Sox. <gasps> half our audience goes – half our half our 28% of our audience is now upset. I'm kidding. Old Comiskey. I will tell you this, and I know, we, so much bear stuff going on. So, by the way, if you want me to get back on topic, just comment "sick," you get me focused. But let me just say, Comiskey Park—had they not torn it down, and they had done what they've done with Wrigley and Fenway, we might be we might be talking about Comiskey as the best ballpark. I'm just saying that, and that comes from from family members who are Cubs fans. We're like, oh, they should have never tore down Comiskey. That was a gem
0: guaranteed Raid field is a really good place to see a game. I think it's very underrated. The food options, the ease you can get around the stadium. Like absolutely. You can park around there where you can't park around Wrigley field. Although I love, I like the Cubs too. I'm one of the Chicago people that like, no, no, no. Any
1: team that does well for this city. I am not going to hate. Okay. There's too many, there's too many people commenting sick right now. We got to get back on topic. I will say guaranteed Raid field is a good place. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to go back. So it's fine. But Comiskey was something special. Get us another question. Sammy, get us another question. Get us back on track. Give me – what adjustments did you notice from the first to second half? Carmen, why don't you go ahead and take this one?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that there was a lot to be said for how they got – they. it was those big personnel sets where they kind of like left off or let off the gas on those. The first half of the game, they had the tight ends out there as extra blockers for that offensive line while they kind of figured it out with the offensive line, and I think they pulled back on those. This is what I'm trying to say not very Uh they, tried, they pulled back on those in the second half and they gave Justin Fields a little bit more um, more options in the, run, in, in the, in the passing game um, and just, you know, the check down and all that kind of stuff. And I think that Justin Fields really – they also – the way to beat these Shanahan-style offenses is kind of that death by a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're, you're trying to – and they're going to, you know, they're going to have to do that again against the Packers. Um, but I saw a little bit of that in the second half where Justin was kind of just taking what he could get obviously the field conditions and the weather conditions played into that. Um, but having the patience to do that as well, uh, despite the fact that, yeah, you don't maybe have less extra blockers added on to the offensive line. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, like, you know, you you throw out some different personnel sets like that, that touchdown to, to um, EQ St. Brown. Like you, you draw these guys down and you do
1: different things. You kind of confuse the defense as much as possible.
0: I think they did a good job of that.
1: Yeah. There was a, you know, when they were running the ball in the first half, and then even like, you know, some third and longs, they ran, you know, the give up plays. At least they weren't jet sweeps, but whatever. I, I always thought they were setting something up. And I, I really thought that they were setting up for something big, which ended up being the equinemia St. Brown play. And we saw, you know, a lot more of the fullback in the second half. I wish I had the numbers in front of me. I believe we went more under center, which I think mm-hmm. was kind of helping out Braxton, Nick, or Braxton Jones. They were helping him out, playing under center a little bit more, giving it, you know, just just a small little thing. Defensively, you know, we saw them swarming to the football. They said it. Jalen Johnson said it. Like, when we decided that we're going to let – or we're going to make Trey Lance play quarterback, that that was a huge thing. They they knew that they were not going to get burned by him. You know, everybody wants to make fun of Justin Fields, but the Bears were not concerned about his passing at all. They knew he was going to miss throws. He was going to do some things. And I thought that the play – With Eddie Jackson, you know, he bit down like he was going for the tight end and then pops out and he pops into the route, which helped him get that interception. So small little things like that. And also, you know what? I think it it shouldn't be understated. You know, the Bears went out there and they they had a pretty tough, pretty hard, I should say vigorous, vigorous training camp. And they had the, had the, the starters play in the third preseason game. That was a difference in the game. I know everybody wants to point to the rain and it was soaking and was out and whatever. And then like in the final minute or two, it finally came down hard enough to where maybe it was going to be difficult. Although, you know, a lot of maybe better quarterbacks would have been able to handle it. But I thought the conditioning of the team as well was also mm-hmm. like, hey, look at this. Point. Like we're we're uh we're, we're we're ready to go in the fourth quarter. And then they they took more chances. They just they also took more chances. They knew that they had to eventually just like, we got to, we got to score, you know, mm-hmm. and they had Justin, Justin's just, you know what? He's just such an escaped artist. So those big plays and it, yeah. and it lines up. And so there's a lot of things going on, but I do think uh, playing a little bit more under center was a good option too. And
0: I like how you said about the defense too. I like, I, I had the thought throughout the game where I was like, okay, I really like how many Navy jerseys I'm seeing around the ball every single play. Yeah. I wish it was working better. And then yeah. in the second half, it worked better because you just you keep with that. And I think that that's a big philosophy with this team and with Matt Eberflus in general is you're around the ball long enough, something's going to happen, and it does. So, no. I, yeah, I think
1: that was a big thing. And, again, like people give up plays. Like it's okay. Like you can give up yards. Like things happen. Like that's football. Like it's going to be impossible to keep a team from gaining yardage at some point. But what you want to make sure is uh you're forcing more three and outs. Uh You're not, you know, you're being better on third down. I thought that the bears played really well on third down to the point of like, you know, that you weren't, that you weren't scared when it got to third down. Like, you know, it'll, it'll be nervous time this week when Rodgers is at third down, we know how good he is and you're going to be like, okay, but that's what you want to see. Like hopefully they'll be able to limit him, his success on third down, which is what we're going to be looking for. And also too the, I know that Nick Bosa was out there crying about the penalties. It's like, bro, you—it wasn't him, but like one of their guys grabbed the face mask. Like you, like you can see it. Like you, yeah. got, like that's a it's penalty. Awesome. Yeah. Like, do you think yeah. we're not supposed to call it because it's raining? Yeah. Like you're making, the, and it was it was fun for a change being the team that's not making dumb penalties. Like, oh, this they is were very line? disciplined. You're yeah, very disciplined, man. I'll tell you what. You know, while this team is 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 in its process of building its franchise. If we're going to be that disciplined team that doesn't kill themselves and it's just annoying, you know, it might lead us to a six and 11 record or seven and 10 or whatever it is, but being annoying and being in games and just winning games like this, that people don't expect us to win. It's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun enterprise. And then eventually it's going to pay off at some point. And uh, we've seen it from other, you know, like that's what's so great about the Patriots. You know, or watching them for the last twenty years, obviously Tom Brady, but like God, they just don't do dumb things, and it's just I, I, I always admired I've admired the Patriots throughout the entirety of their run. I never root against them. I'm always pro, like unless we play them in the Super Bowl again, like I have no reason. I have no reason to hate the Patriots. They haven't done anything to me. I appreciate them and the way that they play football. And it's it seems like, and we're getting ahead of ourselves, but if the Bears become that kind of organization, that's just known for playing smart football and making great draft picks and finding offensive players and turning them into defensive ends, I think it's going to be very fun <laughs> for us moving forward. How about another question though, Sam? Uh, what's the Packers? Yeah, what's with what the Packers letting Jefferson run free all game? I uh, hope we have the same coverage for Mooney. Yeah, what did you think of the Packers? Since we, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take a moment here to look ahead. What did you think of that? Like, do the Packers just, they couldn't cover? Like, they have good players. Their defense,
0: I thought, was good. They do. I just think they kind of approach and, and not to their fault necessarily. They approached that game wrong because they see, they saw what Justin Jefferson was able to do last year against man coverage. I think he had a near perfect, the quarterbacks had a near perfect passer rating uh, when targeting him. And that was the same deal with Cooper cup in LA. Well, Kevin O'Connell comes over to Minnesota. He's starting to use Darnell Mooney or Darnell Mooney. He's starting to use Jefferson, Justin Jefferson like Cooper cup and you know, the Packers go, okay, well, man coverage clearly doesn't work against these guys. Let's try zone. And they tried zone. And guess what? That didn't work either. But, like, they had no choice but to try that. Um, and it, it just the way that the offense was able to – the thing about O'Connell's offense, too, is I think they deployed 11 personnel almost 70% of the time during that game. It was a majority 11 personnel. They're bringing the exa- – and that, that not only that, they were bringing the exact same three receivers on the field at the same time. But what they do so well is they disguise it in different ways. So it might be the same personnel, but the window dressing they add to this offense, and they're running the same concept, but it confuses defenses nonetheless. And that pre-snap motion that you saw Justin Jefferson like just going across the formation and stuff like that. And as soon as you don't see that someone's following him, despite the fact that I guess Jair Alexander pleaded this week to follow him. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's hard in zone. You just can't. You can't do that. Uh, it screws everything else up, but you see him moving across the formation, moving back. And then even post-snap, he's crossing into, like, he. this is one of the best route runners in football. And he's crossing yeah. into zones that these Packers are just not expecting him to cross into, uh, especially given this pre-snap alignment. So it was, I, it, it's, it's going to be hard to figure out how to defend that for a while. And, I mean, nobody was able to really figure it out even in L.A. I mean, Cooper Cup was always still doing wide it, yeah. open. And he still is. And so it's like it's one of those things where I just Kevin O'Connell is very very good at that. He's very very good at scheming these guys open, despite the fact that defenses are going to pay attention to them. And he's very good at the chess match of football, which is what I love so much about this game. Is that hey, listen, yeah, like we we we're kind of figuring they're going to play zone against us, and here's how we beat it, and they did. But um, that being said, I don't think that the Packers are in any real danger. I think that that defense is still going to be what we think it is. Um, I saw some good things out of Rashawn Gary, and I think that people are kind of waking up to who how good of a player he is. I know Packers yeah. fans have known that for a long time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was cool. I don't think the same thing is going to happen against Arnold Mooney.
1: Well, what do you think? I mean, would you expect the Bears to try to go 11 personnel? You know, the NFL is a copycat league, of course. Kevin O'Connell comes from the Sean McVay system, which started with the Mike, all the way up to Mike Shanahan. Shanahan, so there's, yep, there's, yep. They're cousins here. Uh, would the Bears, would the Bears even dare? Because I know that we love the 12 personnel.
0: Would we, we d- dare well, to go
1: eleven? I don't think you have the, I don't
0: think you have the guys to do it yet. Um, mm-hmm. I especially, I mean, like you had. we'll see like the health of, of Bayless Jones and like, if he can kind of get in the mix there and then maybe if he can, you you feel a little bit more comfortable getting like, you know, some combination of Darnell Mooney, Byron Pringle, Bayless Jones out there or whatever. I just don't think right now that's the strength of this team. The strength of this team is its backfield and these tight ends um, with, you know, the, the sprinkling in of, Guys like Darnell Mooney and, and the receivers, I don't think they have the personnel to do that yet. Um, but I think that they're, again, they're going to do some interesting things. They're going to definitely try to confuse this Packers defense again. Uh, I don't exactly, you know, we'll, we'll, it'll be interesting to see how, but I don't think that that formula that worked for the Vikings is going to work for the Bears this year, this week at least.
1: That's okay. And that's fine. And I know that, you know, again, the Vikings are a little bit further ahead of us in terms of, even though they have a first-year head coach, first-year general manager... You know they they got they had a nice head start with uh, Justin Jefferson and oh, yeah. uh, you know so one of the elite players in the NFL. Oh, I cannot cannot believe cannot believe the uh, Philadelphia Eagles passed him up. Now we have to sit here and watch him in the division. It's disgusting. They finally got rid of finally got rid of Stephon Diggs, so I could enjoy him. And they bring in Jeff, Justin Jefferson. Although I have Justin Jefferson in so many fantasy leagues. Yeah. And by He's the way, so Adrian fun. Adrian Amos was not even like he was ten yards away from Justin Jefferson and still got few got, got juked onto the ground in that touchdown run. Like, watch that play again, everybody. That was amazing. But let's have another question from our amazing people. Uh, the Bears didn't blitz once against Trey Lance. I think that we will have to blitz against Rodgers, but do you think that we will? Uh, if so, how much? Yeah, you know what? That I guess that is something that, uh, again, I don't think that they, the Bears get enough credit for is like the amount of pressure they were getting – Without blitzing, what do you think the defensive game plan is going to be like for the Bears going up against Aaron Rodgers?
0: Yeah, it's going to be – like, we saw what happened when Aaron Rodgers got – you know, got four sacks on him. So, like, I don't know. I, but Rodgers is usually pretty good at beating the blitz. Uh, I think it's really going to depend on if he gets his tackles back because he knows he's got the timing down with his offensive line when he has those guys out there. Like he knows exactly how much time he has. He trusts the protections that they give him. Um, Even if they're back though, I mean, this is going to be their first game back from injury. So I don't know. I mean, I I tend to think that maybe you do, you try and overwhelm that offensive line as much as possible with the blitz. But uh, that being said, yeah, we saw what they were able to do with four and it starts with those interior guys kind of eating up blockers Uh, of opposing offensive lines and I like I said I think they play a lot better than I was necessarily expecting them to you've got a really good edge rotation with those defensive ends now and especially now that Dominic Robinson is a force uh which is a force to be reckoned with he's a force to be reckoned with but I really do feel like you really you try to push that pocket as much as possible and get to Rodgers as much as possible to get him off of his game um he, he he doesn't do as well as no quarterback does when he's getting hit Uh, and brought down but that being said I mean like and that's the thing is like I don't know that you need to worry about these receivers yet so like you don't necessarily need the help on the back level so like sick them I guess I don't know
1: yeah let them loose let the dogs loose so to speak you know and I want to remind everybody that a.m. 1530 WCKG is the Chicago home of the sick podcast every Friday 2 to 3 p.m. Central you can catch the Sick Podcast, followed immediately by Olin Crutes and Jason McGee. The No Name Pod will be immediately following the Sick Podcast, so that's a two-hour cover two of Bears coverage like you will not find anywhere else. And by the way, for those of you in the Southern California area, Rip Beer Company in Huntington Beach, the location on on PCH is the home of the Sick Podcast. We did a uh, we did a broadcast from there after the game on Sunday. With the Sunday night game this week, we might not be having the same setup. And, of course, in two weeks, when the Bears are again at that noon start, we will be congregating at Rip Beer Company, PCH, Huntington Beach, the PCH location. All right, we have time uh, for at least another question. What do we got, Sammy? Uh, Ray, can you please let me know why the national media would rather talk about it's time to put Jimmy in instead of the resilient – how was how instead of his resilient fields was and is uh that's not as great of a story they're still taking shots at, at justin fields but what do you make of the situation what do you make of the situation in san francisco what did you think carmen of what trey lance did is it i don't know i i just feel like yeah, that's kind of what i expected out of him rain or not uh what did you take away from that
0: yeah, I mean, I thought so too. And honestly, I've said it from the beginning when they decided to keep Jimmy G, and especially given him like the you know the no trade clause, and thinking that he's going to stick around this year, um, I thought that that was a down vote on their confidence in Trey Lance. And I was part of something like this in Tampa, where it was Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick going back and forth throughout the season, and it didn't end well. The, the the Bucks went five and eleven that year, and it was because every time a quarterback got in, he felt like he needed to like just outplay you know, the guy that he was pulled for. And then, you know, it would lead to stupid mistakes. And then that guy would get pulled. And it was just like this constant back and forth. And like, that really does mess with your brain as, as, as a quarterback. And I don't love that Trey Lance is having to kind of look over his shoulder and say, Oh, well, Jimmy G is right there. And like, again, having this narrative of the fans calling for Jimmy to come back in and all that other stuff. Like, That's not fair. And it's especially not, it's it's especially not fair after week one, which is always a topsy-turvy week as it is, plus the conditions, plus the health that they have, you know, the health issues that they have on offense. Like it's just not fair. And you need to give this guy, like you need to, realistically, you need to give him a season to evaluate him. And the fact that like, I know that this league is a, what have you done for me lately? And it's like, I hope that, I don't know, but it doesn't seem like John Lynch and, and Shanahan are necessarily trigger happy. Um, when it comes to the, the you know the personnel that they bring in and stuff like that, so I'm, I'm hoping that they give Trey Lance a little bit more time. Um, but yeah, I mean, Justin Fields also like it's it's kind of a sexy story. Like of all of the quarterbacks that were drafted th- his year, Justin's the only one
1: that had a win. Oh. In one. Oh, so right. like well, yeah, they want to pretend, but they they want to pretend like it wasn't impressive, right? He didn't no throw two I, touchdowns. I,
0: all yeah, all the quarterbacks that were drafted in Fields Draft class uh, lost in week one other than other than Dustin. So
1: you know, or just no no, no they didn't all lose. Yeah, it's true. Davis Mills tied. 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 They didn't win. <laughs> nobody else won. Yeah, very. Care- yeah, nobody else happy. won. I'm very, sorry. very careful. happy Because by the way, you got to give Davis. I just can't believe
0: we have a tie already. Like, why do I have to do this mental math? I don't want
1: to. I and I also am sitting there and like when people are like, oh, you were like, I forget what I went. I went like 10 and seven, 10 and six last week, nine and seven. But I'm like, no, no, no. I was nine, five and two because I I said that. Houston wasn't gonna win. So I should get half credit. Like it's just weird. Get rid of ties in football. It. Let's do this. Get away I with it. it. We don't I need ties it. anymore. Like wow. you out of the 17th game, get rid of ties. And by the way, just get to the 18th game already. 17 is weird. It's just a dumb number. Except for when it's worn by Shohei Otani. Other than that, they should they should not have 17 games out of deference and respect for Shohei Otani. A number that should be retired amongst every sport. Uh, But let's get one more, Sammy. I'm going to make Carmen stay late because I was late. (laughs) By the way, we'll go back to our normal time. (laughs) So I'm making everybody else stay late. We're going to go back to our normal time last week. I apologize for the late start. We tried some things. Trying to rely on Southern California traffic is just not going to happen. So, why are we doing these for the NFL Network's studio? That's a dumb uh, dumb mistake. mistake. But uh, do we have one more good one, Sammy? And then, uh, how do y'all feel about us against Green Bay? I think we can win this week, Carmen. You've got to be the impartial reporter. How are you feeling? Uh,
0: I don't feel that great uh, about the Bears winning in Lambeau uh, with a pissed off Packers team, pissed off Aaron Rodgers. Um, it's going to be a very hostile environment, as it always is up there. I'm very excited to get to be there, um, but I mean, yeah, it's just I like I look at the Packers last year. Like, they lost in dramatic fashion to the Saints last year in week one and then went on to win, like, seven or eight afterwards. Um, So, like, Aaron Rodgers is a petty person. He's petty. And he's going to want to win. And there's going to be some corrections made this week. And I think, obviously, these are very – I mean, they were familiar opponents last week, too, division opponents. Getting another division opponent. um, It's interesting because, like, you know, I've heard coaches say that really it takes until week four to know what a team is and you can actually rely on the film that you're getting from them. Um, so, But it, I think that kind of goes away a little bit when you're talking about teams that are familiar with each other as far yeah. as division opponents are. So it's interesting that like I feel like the NFL is front-loading a lot of division games lately, uh, these last few years. Which I and I hate. It, it, I know. Um, but it does kind of level the playing field a little bit um, in, in a lot of ways, although the Bears did have a lot of turnover with their players, personnel, obviously scheme, system, everything is completely different. So they have the element of maybe surprise, some surprise against the Packers. But at the end of the day, I mean, especially if Rodgers gets his guys back on the offensive line, I just think that the, the Packers are going to return to form to what we think uh, they're going to be this year.
1: Sorry. Nope, and don't apologize. Don't ever apologizing for analyzing a football game and being rational and everything, because then I will be allowed to speak, and I will go the other direction. But I will say okay. this. The Green Bay Packers are a good team. They're probably going to still end up winning the NFC North. I, I know that Minnesota loves taking their victory laps and let them have their moment. This team, as you said last season, started off with a 30-3 blowout on the road in Jacksonville against the Saints. It was a lot of weirdness going on, and of course they rebounded pretty quickly. And similarly, I expect the Green Bay Packers to rebound here, to be the Green Bay Packers that we've seen over the last couple of seasons. But if you're looking for some reasons for optimism for the Chicago Bears, the last time that Matt Eberflus faced this offense when he was the defensive coordinator of the Colts, he did a pretty nice job of limiting the damage by Aaron Rodgers. And I think that he definitely has a plan for how to attack them. And so while I would say that if you look at these rosters, that Green Bay Packers being at home should be expected to win, I am not going to be sitting here and and not that Carmen was giving up, but I think that the Bears have a, a a puncher's chance. And when it comes down to making picks, of course I'm going to pick the bears, but I think that there is a realistic opportunity for the bears to shock the world. It would be weird to see the Packers starting 0 and two. And it's when you look at it in a grand scheme of things, like God starting 0 and two against the Vikings and bears being 0 and two in the division, like it just doesn't ever seem to work that way. But at the same time, I'm not counting out our guys. I'm going to be picking the Bears. I think we have a we have a legitimate chance, and if we get some things going, you know, this could be the kind of the maybe the Packers aren't as good as we got we we think. Last year's team did have Devontae Adams, and maybe that maybe that's the difference. So you know what? That's the great thing about football is that we 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 play the games, and of course on Thursday we are still. We're, we're, we're working on a guest for Thursday who is going to be here to break down the Packers side of things. So uh, no announcement on that right now, but we will be talking about this more uh, in the in the coming days. And, of course, we will have Fantasy Island to help you make some fantasy decisions as well. But, Carmen, want to thank you, as always, for joining us here once again. What are you working on? Where can people find you? Get the plugs in now. <laughs> um, yeah, all my articles go up on FoxSports.com. And in the app,
0: Fox Sports app, if you have that, uh, I will be on CHGO Thursday nights, with uh, which is the local t- uh, outlet here, which I'm super excited about. Uh, doing kind of a Bears After Dark show. Uh, also very Bears specific, although I'm doing a lot of NFC North coverage for them. Um, and then, uh, yeah, obviously, just follow me on, on Twitter and Instagram at this little handle right here.
1: That's right yeah. there. You're on the wrong spot. Or I'm on the way. wrong spot. Is okay. it this there way? There it is. You got it. You had it there. It's mirrored. There it
0: it's mirrored. Like it's it's here for me.
1: I'm That's not sure. crazy. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? But in any event, thanks everybody for uh, participating here this evening. Thank you for uh for humoring me with the with the time change, but we'll be back eight Eastern next week. Take it to the rank. Until that time, bear down and Sammy go ahead and play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.